Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. What's Back going on, guys? It. Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is for us. Sadiqi caught Joe off guard. That he was did. the goal here. What's going on, man? Um, NFL draft finally over. I feel a sense of relief. What about yeah. you? I wish I could, like, I wish it could happen again. You know, like, it's going to happen again next year, obviously. But, like, I just wish I could relive, like, that night, that first night. That's like such an amazing experience. Other than the fact that my fingers were burning off because I was posting every single one. <laughs> I saw that. The try and then like way overcommitted to doing it. And it was just way too much, but uh, still a lot of fun. And now is the really fun part where we get to talk about how this affects. Oh gosh, this is going to be great. It was good. Yeah. It was, good. I, it, it, it was a good time, man. So I was in Cleveland. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was a good time. The first round was amazing. Like, it was just so entertaining. For some reason, this year, it was just more entertaining than most years. I know the 49ers had a lot riding. You know, the 49ers were, was a huge reason to that, right? Like, because they kind of control the destiny of all the other teams, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if, if they took Justin Fields, the Bears probably wouldn't have traded up to get anybody. Uh, you know, they might have traded up to get another quarterback. You never know. Maybe, maybe the next, uh, you know, who knows, like, who it would have been. But, like... Uh, I feel like the draft unfolded in such a uh, spectacular way that uh, it, it was fun, man. It was fun to watch. The, the day two was good as well because there was so much talent. I felt like that was like just on the board sitting there the entire Friday. Um, and I, I, it was just so cool to f- see the Jets take Michael Carter um, <laughs> in, in day three. Uh, I don't know why I wanted to start with that. Actually, everybody does know why I, I, I want to start with that. Um, but yeah, man, it was a good time. It was a good time. Um, I had fun in Cleveland and, um, you know, I'm looking forward to, uh, Vegas next year. The draft is going from the draft. The draft is going from Cleveland to Vegas. Like it could, I can't, it can't be a bigger 180 than that. Are you going to Vegas? Yeah, I'm going to go to Vegas. (sighs) Hell yeah. I mean, if I went to Cleveland for the draft, you better be damn sure I'm going to go to Vegas for the draft. Okay. Well, we'll see. We'll see. So last year when I tried to book Vegas, um, I just remember the hotels being absolutely ridiculous. So my goal is to uh, get like a big house with a bunch of people and a bunch of bedrooms and just stay in that big house. I think that's the goal for next year. That sounds good. I'm going to try to make it happen. Okay. So let's get into it, man. So we're going to – sure, man. You got it, man. First bedroom is yours. Um, I'm not sharing. All right. So – 
post NFL draft, we're going to go over all of these guys, their landing spots, what we think about them, what changed. Uh, you know, obviously we talked about these prospects. Now that we have landing spots associated to it, talk about the winners, losers from this draft, whether they were in the draft, whether they were prospects themselves or veterans who were already on another team, uh, you know, whether they won or lost because of something that happened over this weekend. Um, so let's go over all of that, man. Um, we're going to like, instead of going team by team, I kind of want to do it somewhat by importance, I guess, or fantasy relevance, if that makes sense. Um, and we'll kind of go by position maybe. Um, so let's start with, you know, round one with these quarterbacks. Um, let's start with Trevor Lawrence, man. Um, so he, he, he's obviously in Jacksonville. We knew what was going to happen there. Um, Zach Wilson to the Jets, Trey Lance to the 49ers. Uh, you know, nobody really knew what was going to happen there, right? Like it was like, it's going to be Mac Jones. It's going to be Trey Lance. Someone like me, I thought it was going to be Justin Fields. Uh, but Justin Fields ended up going to the Bears after they traded up. Uh, and then Mac Jones to your Patriots. Um, yeah. So let me ask you a question, man. So, you know, Lawrence still looking like my one-on-one. Um, nothing really changed. We knew what was going to happen there. Um, yeah, super flex, obviously, you know, um, He's still going to be my guy for the most part. It depends on my league. Uh, but if I'm looking for longevity, you know, when you have these elite prospects come through, like you, you, you have a chance of having a quarterback for a very long time. Trey Lance, somebody, you know, who I would consider up there. But the thing with him is that, yes, he could succeed in the system. But is he actually going to turn out to be a good quarterback, right? And that's the risk that you take because we don't know that. With Lawrence, the chances are that he's going to be a very good quarterback in the NFL. Um, and you have the backing of a lot of experts when it comes to, uh, you know, evaluating these quarterbacks at the next level. So uh, he's still going to be my guy there. Um, but yeah, uh, Trey Lance, though, like he is up at my 102 uh, because of the landing spot. Um, I do think that he's going to get the start at some point this year. I'm not buying the fact that Jimmy G uh, is going to be their quarterback this year. Maybe he starts week one, week two as their quarterback. But at some point, uh, I think it's going to be sooner than later that Trey Lance is going to be the guy. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat as you. I'm a huge Trey Lance fan. Um, you know, from a draft perspective and a real NFL team perspective, I'm upset as a Patriots fan that the 49ers did not take Mac Jones, which means he fell to my Patriots, which I'm kind of upset about, you know, not overly upset, but overall what happened happened. Um, Lance for fantasy purposes, he's in a great spot in San Francisco. Um, Trevor Lawrence, he's reunited with Travis Etienne in Jacksonville, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but um, Justin Fields going to the bears kind of unexpected. I feel like a lot of people, didn't expect the Bears to make that jump and get a guy like Justin Fields. Uh, Zach Wilson to the Jets, as expected. But um, I, I think we're talking about quarterbacks, one-on-one of quarterbacks, definitely Trevor Lawrence. Uh, if we're going two and three, probably field, probably a Lance and then Fields. Yeah. And I'll couple it with Zach Wilson at fourth, which I think makes the most sense to me. Justin Fields, if he hits his upside, he could easily be a – QB one, you know, in that top 10, top 12 area, uh, you know, he's still got Allen Robinson for the time being, but we'll see how that shakes up the next couple of years. Cause Allen Robinson is on a franchise tag and 
they just had to cut their left tackle in Chicago because they don't really have that much money. So we'll see their situation next year and if they're able to pay Allen Robinson what he's looking for. Yeah, and and Trey Lance, like, he's in such a good situation, man. Like, and, and if you don't know why, like, obviously nobody was talking about Trey Lance as their 102 before the draft, right? Uh, if Justin Fields went to the 49ers, uh, he would be a lot of people's 101, honestly, because <laughs> people believe in the talent, right? And then on top of that, he got, you know, he would land in the perfect spot. Um, and the reason why this spot is so good is, I'll, I'll just put it out there, Kyle Shanahan offense, right? He put, He's going to put quarterbacks in position to succeed. Um, he has weapons, Ayuk, Kittle, Debo. He has a great offensive line. And then obviously the most important thing is his rushing ability, right? Um, obviously a lot of his production, listen, he went over a thousand yards in 2019. A lot of the production did come on designed runs. Uh, not as much of that came on scrambles, but Number one, he's in the NFL now. He's going to scramble a little bit more. Uh, number two is that Kyle Shanahan is going to play to his strengths. He's not going to, you know, uh, look at what he did really well that year and then kind of like not let him do his thing. That's going to happen. So, um, I mean, look at what RG3 did, right, in Washington uh, that, that one year. It was, it's going to happen. So, um, so that's part of the reason why he's up there. I don't blame you. If you have him at three, Justin Fields at two, I think Justin Fields can succeed as well. Uh, but the only thing with Justin Fields is that, you know, he's paired with Matt Nagy. Now, Matt Nagy has not proved yet, to me at least, that he is going Anyone. to be a successful, uh, you know, coordinator or quarterback whisperer in the NFL. Is he going to dial up success for Justin Fields? That's my only concern. Um, now, listen, say what you want about his quarterbacks before. He hasn't had his hand-picked quarterback yet until right now, right? Remember, he he... he inherited Mitch Trubisky right he was drafted the year before he got there so you know we'll see we'll see if his choice pans out uh but yeah you mentioned Allen Robinson dude like uh he's he he wins right now because I think Justin Fields coming in I, and I'm sure Justin Fields gonna start I understand that Justin Fields and Andy Dalton are already the best quarterbacks he's ever played with 100% and no matter who, who the guy is Allen Robinson is going to be fine I hope it's Justin Fields because of the upside that he he, he presents there um, and I, I'm rooting for him and uh, I do think that Justin Fields is going to start in September at some point I don't think so only because um, Matt Nagy as we know he likes to and just as other coaches do too they like to try to replicate their success in other situations and what happened in those other situations as well um, they draft Dave Montgomery. Who is he? He's their Kareem Hunt type running back. They pick up Trey Burton. Who is he? He's their Travis Kelsey. And that's like all we would hear from Matt Nagy describing how he wants to use these players. Now we're hearing the comparison of the Patrick Mahomes and Alex Smith track. One of the things Matt Nagy says is he envisions Andy Dalton being the Alex Smith type player and Justin Fields taking a seat for an entire year and then coming into his role the next year. And with their commitment to saying Andy Dalton QB1, he's going to be the guy. And look, I know the situation every single year, every coach saying that, like Tyrod Taylor. No, there's no way Tyrod Taylor is going to start. I mean, I'm not going to sit in year one. It's going to be Tyrod Taylor the entire year. Justin Herbert, he'll get his chance down the line. But Tyrod Taylor's our guy. And then it, two games, injection into the lung or not, Justin Herbert is the starter. Um, you know, I, I don't really know where this tangent is going, but point being, I, I think Andy Dalton starts at least half the season, unless Ooh. he does so awfully wrong 
to the point where Justin Fields has to come in, which I don't think he will, because I think Andy Dalton's a fine game manager. Um, I think Andy Dalton's going to start at least half the year. When that is, um, I'm going to put the over under on like three and a half games, honestly. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it's because Andy Dalton's going to be terrible. I, I do think that Justin Fields is going to get his shot. Listen, when when Patrick Mahomes came, uh, was drafted by the Chiefs, dude, like, like Alex Smith just had a career year the year before. You know what yeah. I mean? And he was killing it. So for for Pat, for them to draft, you know, their boy Patrick Mahomes, and then for him to start right away, it, it was it was a lot more iffy. And he was already in that offense. So now, you know, Andy Dalton. It's not like he's been slinging it to the point where, like, you know, you cannot. He can't leave. He, he's going to give them a better chance to win. I I think with this situation, it's like Justin Fields is just going to take over sooner than later. I and. Uh, and because of that, like, I honestly think that, like, Allen Robinson's upside is going to get unleashed. Now, obviously, you know, we can't project what these guys are going to do right away. Coming into the NFL, it's completely different. Um, but either way, I think for Allen Robinson, Allen Robinson's sake, like, he he, he has a quarterback up, upgrade. Al, yep. Andy Dalton was the best quarterback that he's had uh, until Justin Fields got drafted. <laughs> I remember last year talking about how <laughs> when Nick Foles went down, it's like, oh, we got an upgrade. Mitch Trubisky's back to the starting it's lineup. True. It's like, this is a true <laughs> upgrade for Allen Robinson. It's true, man. Um, all right, well, let me ask you, man. Okay, so I, let me talk about Zach Wilson just real quick. I, you know, huh? I do want to mention that the scheme he's in, it is the 49 scheme coming in. Obviously, they're not going to be able to coach it as well as the guy, but the scheme is coming in. These are all Shanahan disciples. So, you know, that's number one. Number two is that look at his weapons, man. It's not terrible, right? He has, you know, Jameson Crowder. Who knows if he'll be on the team? You know, they just drafted Elijah Moore. You know, he it'll, it'll be really cool if he could play in the slot. Jameson Crowder's owed, like, I think $10 million or something this year. Will they cut him? Who knows? Um, or they might just let him, you know, play this year and then – He's not under contract anymore. Uh, you know, they have a few weapons here. They just signed Corey Davis. Uh, you know, they, they didn't draft a tight end. So Chris Herndon is still their guy, potentially playing in the quote-unquote Kittle role, yep. right? And then you have uh, Denzel Mims potentially taking a step forward. So this is very interesting for the Jets, right? They have the, – the left side of the line is shored up at this point. Um, so, you know, it, it, uh, slowly but surely, you know, pieces are, are coming together. Uh, so – before you know it, uh, we might be plucking a couple of guys uh, off of the Jets onto our fantasy teams. And I think to go with that, Zach Wilson, without a doubt, the day one starter, because who else? James Morgan. I don't even know yes. who else they have in that quarterback room. Um, what, fix, what fits the Zach Wilson strengths as well, and I think would speak to a reason why the Jets would pick a guy like Zach Wilson over Justin Fields um, or Trey Lance is the fact that the offense that Zach Wilson ran at BYU, it's very, very similar to what the Shanahan tree offenses look like. It's a West Coast offense, uh, a lot of play action, a lot of deep shots, you know, the typical Shanahan scheme. So, uh, yeah, I, I think the fit and the ease of learning that scheme definitely gives him that advantage. And I think ceiling, like Zach Wilson could be, I mean, I don't want to go crazy and say top 10 type guy, but you have a defense that's not looking great. He might be forced into a ton of passing situations. Um, if Zach Wilson does hit his ceiling, I mean, if you looked at the player comps going into this year, like the highest comp was like, it, he's a mix between Patrick Mahomes and Mitch Trubisky, right? Like that's what everybody would say. He's 
half Patrick Mahomes, half Mr. Bisky. If we get the Patrick Mahomes side, which I'm not, and I don't want to go crazy with the headline, like, oh, headline, who the hell is writing about this? But like, um, <laughs> <laughs> like he, I'm not saying he is Patrick Mahomes. I'm just saying his highest upside could be a top 10, top 15 guy in that offense if he really starts to click. Let me ask you this now. How are you feeling about Mac Jones picked by the Patriots? Look, you know, I'm not a fan of Mac Jones. And for the Patriots, this is this is how I see this pick. Um, this is how I see the situation rolling out, right? You're the Patriots. It's the first round. I think they should have picked Rashad Bateman or Elijah Moore. I would have been happy with either of those guys. They chose to take a quarterback, which at 15 and not having to trade up for, I'm okay with. Just because, like, look, if it doesn't pan out, you didn't give up future draft capital. You can just draft another quarterback. They don't have any screaming needs other than wide receiver, um, which they should have addressed later, but whatever. They have two tight ends. Who cares? So I, I think it's kind of like a low-risk type situation. My only concern is what the hell is Mac Jones going to learn from Cam Newton? I mean, these are two polar opposite quarterbacks. Like, what the hell is it? What is he going to sit behind and learn for a year? Learn what? This guy had a total of 42 rushing yards in four years at Alabama. Like, Cam Newton averages that, like, per game. More, probably, obviously. But, like, I don't know. That's what really bothers me. If they had a quarterback to where Mac could learn something behind, then okay. I would have rather the Patriots trade up for Justin Fields if they're going to take a quarterback. That didn't happen either. So, I don't know. Look, I'm not a huge Mac Jones fan. I don't know how he's going to pan out. I trust Bill. I trust the process. So at least after this year, post cam, we'll have something working towards the future. If Mac Jones does play well, then at least the Patriots have something. If he doesn't, then you know what? Just draft him to the quarterback in a year or two. That's just how it is. Yeah. No, I I hear that, man. All right. All right. So let's move on to these running backs. Um, Najee Harris, man, he went exactly where every single mock said yep. he was going to go. Every single report said he was going to go to the Steelers, and that's where he went. So, listen, man, like, this is one of the best spots for a running back, mainly because Mike Tomlin, he wants that bell cow. Like, he, he's, he, he tried it. He tried this whole committee thing, and he's been vocal about not liking it. But he tried it just because, you know, his – his unfortunately, you know, his personnel dictated that, right? And sure. he couldn't have James. He wanted James Conner to be the guy. Didn't work out. He broke down. Um, but now he got his guy, despite the fact that offensive line was the most glaring need on that offense. Still uh, he just he still is. He decided to go running back. Now, for everyone who's saying that, how is he going to run the ball? This is a fantasy football podcast. So what it really comes down to is opportunity. This guy is going to be a three down guy off the get off the, off the bat. Like it's is Benny Snell's not going to be taking 40% of snaps away, 30% of snaps away. Anthony McFarlane isn't going to either. This guy is going to be the three down guy. He's going to be as close to an every down guy uh, as you're going to get for a rookie. So yeah, it's wheels up for him, dude. Like he, he's going to be the guy um, from a fantasy football perspective. Uh, it's going to be hard for him not to be a top 15 running back because of that opportunity, especially in PPR leagues. So landing spot is great. Offensive line isn't, but that's okay. Yeah, and I think one of the things the Steelers missed last year was that run game. I mean, they were one of the worst run offenses in the entire league. Uh, let me just read this real quick. This is the Steelers' 
current offensive line setup. Left tackle, we have Chikwuma Okafor. We have Kevin Dotson at guard. Third round rookie Kendrick Green, Kendrick Green at center. David DeCastro at right guard. And Zach Banner at right tackle. Um, that's pretty ugly. You know, that's not a good offensive line to be behind for a guy like big Ben, who has been pondering retirement for about three years now coming off a serious shoulder injury. Just look, I understand the appeal with a guy like Najee Harris, but just horrible move at the Steelers to not try to protect big Ben. Regardless with what this offense wants to do, we have talked about this multiple times. If they're going to impose more play action plays, you need a running back to do that. If you have Anthony McFarland, nobody's going to fall for that play action. If you have Najee Harris, who's going to be taking 15, 20 carries a game, play action plays might actually work. And that might allow for better plays to a guy like Chase Claypool or Deontay Johnson down the sideline, whatever it may be. So fantasy wise, like you said, a great fit, great opportunity right off the bat. He starts off with the de facto 10 to 15, you know, top 10 to 15 running back floor. Upside, I mean, I don't want to – if he had a good offensive line, I'd say, you know, top three is his upside because why not? If he's going to be getting the touches, if he's going to be you – know, I, I, but right now I'd say top 10 to 15 running back, um, top five upside, sure, but with that offensive line, I just don't really see it year one. Yeah, and, and I really don't want to think that, like, Matt Cannon is going to be coming in and telling Mike Tomlin – what the, the running back distribution is going to look like. <laughs> that's all yeah, my time. So that's, that's his decision. Um, okay. Travis Etienne drafted by the Jaguars, a little bit of a surprise there at the same time. Was it a surprise that they went away from James Robinson to me, to a lot of people, it's not right. Uh, what is the logical quote unquote logical choice is to just stick with, for me personally, it's stick with James Robinson, yeah. fill your other needs Take what you have at running back right now. But it looks like Urban Meyer wanted a playmaker in that backfield. So he he chose to take Travis Etienne, uh, pair him up, like you said, with Trevor Lawrence, college teammates, some familiarity there. Uh, he wanted to get that done. Now, does this put James Robinson back to zero? From a dynasty value perspective, you could say yes, but from an actual value perspective, he'll probably be usable. This is probably going to be, uh, you know, a two down system. I know Urban Meyer said that Frank Gore, I'm sorry, not Frank Gore, <laughs> same, guy, same guy, same guy. Carl Side is like the, 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 the 10 year younger version of Frank Gore. Um, <laughs> he, he just ruins backfields and has like 500. Actually, you know, I was gonna say 500 yards a season, but he did have a thousand yards uh, not too long ago. So um He's not going to be involved, right? It's going to be most likely a James Robinson, Travis Etienne offense. Um, but there is a world where Travis Etienne uh, gets a, a larger role than any of these running backs because of the fact that he's going to be that third down guy. Urban Meyer already said that, right? So the fact that like he's capable in all three downs, um, that, that means that, okay, he's going to get third down. He's going to get some work on first and second. So that right there, if he's getting like 50% of snaps, it's still pretty valuable. Yeah, and when you have your golden boy, um, you know, behind center, you want to make him happy. You know, when you when he comes to default, they're gonna roll out the red carpet. They're gonna do what he wants to do. If he wants ETN in that backfield, it's gonna be ETN in that backfield. And considering the continuity between those two, and the fact that the receivers for the tail end of Trevor Lawrence's college careers weren't exactly great, Amari Rogers was his main guy in that last year. Uh, him and ETN are pretty close. So. 
Another key thing here that I wanted to mention is that Urban Meyer was not necessarily targeting Travis Etienne in round one. He was targeting Kadarius Toney, who was picked up by the Giants. A couple, of, you see that report? Allegedly, yeah, I did see that. <laughs> Allegedly, um, well, Urban Meyer said in an interview that he was like really upset that they weren't able to get Kadarius Tony because he was picked. Oh, that's before. right. I did see that. That's right. Yep. So, Urban Meyer, he again, like these college coaches, they want to implement exactly what worked, and what worked for Urban Meyer was that Percy Harvin rule that wide receiver who can rush and catch balls at the same time, ton of scrimmage yards. We had talked about LaVisca Chilnot being that guy. It doesn't seem like Urban Meyer is comfortable with him being that guy. He wants his own guy. And that guy for me is Travis Etienne, which is why, and that's what Urban Meyer said too. He says he can catch passes. He can do a lot more. And then he compared his role. He even said himself, he compared his role to what Percy Harvin did. He wants Travis Etienne to be Percy Harvin for this offense. So James Robinson, he could still end up getting 10 to 15 carries a game. I just think the way this offense is going to work, we're not going to see too, too much from the wide receivers. We're going to see a lot of Etienne, and then we'll see a good amount of James Robinson on the ground as well. Etienne is definitely going to fill into those um, running plays. But with the usage Etienne is going to get in that aspect, I think it puts him in the mid running back two range with upside to be a low end running back one, because if urban Meyer wants to run his offense that way, that's what he's going to do for 17 games. Travis Etienne is going to be their guy. He's going to be their playmaker for the entire year. So very interesting. That's, 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 that's very interesting right there. And, and do you think that uh, he is going to be drafted as a top 30 running back? Talk about Travis Etienne here. Top 30. I'm sure. I'm sure. Just because of the name value, um, you know, being the second best running back off the board, I'm sure he'll be in that top 30 range. I don't think he'll be in the top 20. I think he'll be okay. in that fifth, sixth round, hopefully, because if he so is, do you think, I'll be grabbing him every time. Got it. So you think that he is going to be drafted at his floor or below his floor? I believe so, yeah. yeah. I think if look, if Urban Ryan really envisions Travis Etienne being that Percy Harvin type role, then I have no problem taking Travis Etienne as like my running back too. Well, I haven't seen that, and 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 I I can't wait to see it because yeah. if that's the case, and I believe you, if that's the case, dude, like I'll be all over that for sure. Because I've been talking about like who is gonna be in this Percy Harvin role in this offense because and this Curtis Samuel, this Kurt, this Curtis Samuel role in this offense, I I want it to be that guy. So what I mean, and, so like if he's if he's that dude, yep. that means that everybody will be drafting overdrafting Levisco Chenault. If that's the case. And, and think about it this way too. Like obviously, first overall pick, you're not doing anything but picking Trevor Lawrence. The second pick that Urban Meyer has in the draft, he can pick any position. They have so many points of need. They can do offensive line. They could do potentially receiver. They can go like every position on defense. And there was a lot of great guys available. Yep. And a lot of people thought they were going to draft like a Trevon Mulrig or Christian Barmore, who ended up going into the second round, who was supposed to be a first round talent. But they chose Travis Etienne. Urban Meyer wanted to get his guy, his Percy Harvin, for the offense that was and he's an offensive guy so that was his priority he wanted to get that guy first and then okay i'll focus on the rest of the draft and focus on the rest of our needs so it's gonna be very very interesting i'm excited for travis etn i didn't think i would be when i saw the pick i was like oh james robinson is ruined this is gonna be like some kind of committee but i'm excited yeah. for travis etn i'm i'm excited to yeah. see how it rolls out 
That that's great insight, man. Um, so I, I do want to mention one thing before we move on about James Robinson and, and what happened here, right? And, and I think that for those who haven't been paying attention, James Robinson was an undrafted free agent last year. He absolutely killed it, right? He got all the opportunity. He was playing. He had the he had the highest snap percentage of any running back in the NFL. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey was out. Saquon Barkley was out, uh, but he was right up there, right? Um, so you have to keep in mind that this team had zero draft capital in him. They they overhauled their offensive coaching staff. They brought Urban Meyer in as their head coach. He's going. He there was always a possibility that he was going to want his guy. So you combine that with the fact that he they, the Jaguars have nothing invested in James Robinson and the fact that he wasn't necessarily efficient with his touches, that tells you what you need to know right there, that the writing was on the wall. And we talked about this, man. Mm-hmm. We talked about potentially selling James Robinson while you could. Um, and if you didn't, listen, it's a good lesson. You know what I mean? Um, listen, the Jaguars could have easily walked away from the draft not drafting a running back. And going into the season with James Robinson, and you and those who wouldn't who didn't didn't sell him would be saying like, "See, I told you he would be fine." But usually, that's not how it works out. Usually, the way that we saw it work out this weekend is how it works out. So it's just a good lesson, and it's just a good teaching point, uh, just moving forward. Yeah, and on top of that, too, let's say theoretically the Jaguars didn't draft. Travis Etienne, and let's say they ended up getting someone like Kadarius Tony, or I, I really feel like if Tony wasn't there and Etienne wasn't there, that um, they would have made it a priority to get another wide receiver or running back who fits the mold of a Percy Harvin type role. So I feel like that role would have been filled no matter what. That means whoever is playing that role, and it's not going to be Robinson because Robinson isn't built like that Percy Harvin type. Um, that player is going to take away rushing and they're going to take away receiving work from James Robinson. And on top of that, Robinson is going to be used as an every down, like go-to guy because they'll have other guys to lean on in this offense. So I feel like no matter what, James Robinson was already on the down. And no matter so, what, they were going to at least draft a compliment. Yep. Right? Because it's not like they were okay thinking that James Robinson would be was going to be the guy on pass and downs, right? Like it's not like he's like this, yep. ma- this amazing pass catcher. Uh, he caught everything that came his way, but he wasn't necessarily doing a ton with it after the catch. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, moving on to Javante Williams. Um, similar situation here. Melvin Gordon uh, was the guy, right? Coming into coming into the draft, they got rid of Philip Lindsay. They drafted Javante Williams, somebody that we know that could be in every down back in the NFL, uh, or at least we project him to be. Uh, now, Melvin Gordon, this is the last year on his deal. He's likely out the door after this year. So from a dynasty perspective, like I'm not worried about this situation at all uh, because Javante is likely going to get a three down role, especially if their offensive corner does not change. Pat Shermer likes that workhorse type dude. Uh, I think Javante could be that guy and Melvin Gordon's, you know, he's going to get close to getting over the hill. This is a good situation for the Broncos where they don't have to worry about, you know, remember Javante Williams only, only carried the ball 150 times last year, right? He, he was in a committee with Michael Carter. Mm-hmm. So they also don't want to give uh, they also want, don't want to give Melvin Gordon a ton of work. So this is a, the best of both worlds for them. From a fantasy perspective, this is going to be tough, right? I, I don't think that this is going to be a situation where, in a redraft perspective, you're going to be thinking you'll be thinking like, okay, cool, like I can't wait to start these running backs. Um, so, so what's your take? What you take about uh, this backfield? Depending on his ADP, Javante Williams is going to be someone I'm targeting. The Broncos traded up for him. And we know Pat Shermer, like you said, really wants these bell cow running backs. 
Um, look, if they thought Melvin was their guy, they would have extended him and they wouldn't have gotten Javante Williams. And on top of that, I mean, the original contract Melvin Gordon got was under $10 million. Like there's not this huge overlying commitment to Gordon, especially because it had Lindsay in that backfield too. So I feel like it's kind of just finding the right guy to be that every guy down, every down guy in this offense. For um, this year though? <laughs> for this year? Look, for this year, it's it's doubtful that he'll get that every down role. Obviously right. next year, Javante Williams could be like a top 10 guy for all we know. Because Melvin Gordon, he ain't no scrub, at least not he's yet. Not. Right? Like he's, he's extremely capable. And like if he was a three down mm-hmm. back this year and they didn't draft somebody early, you, we would have been ecstatic to, to take him, you know, at a discount. Uh, exactly. But with Javante Williams coming in, I mean, I feel like it's a situation where they're planning on having some sort of committee in year one, but with with Gordon's you know contract coming to an end after this year, I think that that'll be it for him in Denver. And I feel like some added upside to the Devon, to Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon situation. Gordon's a guy who's dealt with injuries in the past, right? And we've seen just like how quarterbacks can overtake positions. Running backs can do the same thing. If Melvin Gordon gets hurt, there's a chance Javante Williams comes in, kills it, and then he ends up being the guy or at least the 1A for the rest of the year. And on top of that, you mentioned Javante Williams in a committee with Michael Carter. I kind of think of J.K. Dobbins from last year. J.K. Dobbins stepping into a situation with Mark Ingram there and with Gus Edwards there. Towards the end of the year, Dobbins ended up being the guy. And I know... Gus Edwards and Mark Ingram, neither of those guys are exactly Melvin Gordon. But I think if you combine the two, right, if you combine Gus Edwards and how much they like him on the ground, I, I don't know. I just, I just think this is a situation where, depending on the draft capital, Javante Williams is going to be someone I'm very, very interested. He's had success in a committee before. You know, I think I know I, I think I know what you're getting at. What you're getting at is that Javante is a potential league winner if the situation gets to where, where you want it to be. And Melvin the Gordon tears his ACL and Javante Williams will win you your league. Of course. And like the way I look at it always, every single year is this. No matter what the backfield looks like, you gotta look at the ADP, you gotta look at the price, and you gotta be you gotta look look at it before the draft and say, okay, what price am I willing to take these guys at? Yep. Right. And and if they're there, you gotta take them because you leave them on your bench if you can't start them. You know they have the talent. You know all you're looking for is the opportunity. These running backs get hurt like flies, dude. Like like they go down like flies. Easy. It happens all every year. Javante Williams is the type of guy who can handle a three down workload. If this ever were to come, you know, if what you said ever were to come to fruition, an injury, that sort of thing, Javante Williams is going to be a league winner for you. So these are the type of guys you want on your bench. You know what I mean? Like when it's week eleven, Javante Williams is going to be somebody who's sought after. That's somebody you want on your bench. Because from, 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 a, from a playoff run perspective, like these are the type of guys you want, the guys who could just bust it open at the end of the year. Um, so he's somebody who could definitely do that. And he has fresh legs, man. You know, it's not like, it's not like ETN. You know, it's not like, um, like Harris. Like these dudes have, have a ton of tread, tread on their tires, uh, but not him. So it, it'll be interesting to see um, what this backfield looks like. going. So into two questions for you. Sure. First of all, who are you ranking higher, Melvin Gordon or Javante Williams for this year? Oh, that's a great question, actually. Um, you know what? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I, I have. To, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't know. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna see how the um, the the offseason progresses. I want to hear more from from camp and how, how that works out. Um, I'll say this: I will probably not have any Melvin Gordon shares 
at all. I will only have Javante. I'll only have Javante Williams shares. Exactly. Because I don't think the same upside is there if Javante gets hurt with Melvin Gordon. I mean, yes, there is there because we would be intrigued if anybody's a three down back, right? Uh, But Javante has the explosiveness. He's younger. Um, It's just so much more intriguing, you know, if Melvin Gordon wasn't available and Javante had that role than the other way around. And I do think that Javante is going to be cheaper than Melvin Gordon. Yeah, so I, in, in redraft leagues, I think I, I could I be wrong so. about that, depending on what type of hype, mm-hmm. uh, you know, occurs during the offseason. So that's kind of why because All it it's, takes. It, yeah, it really depends. Now, who am I ranking ahead? Like ranking, you know, rankings are super subjective, right? This is exactly. why it, it, it's very hard. Like, am I ranking like who's going to have more fantasy points at the end of the year? No, I'm usually ranking with like who I'd rather have on my team. And I'm probably putting Javante over Melvin Gordon. That's why I'm at. Second question. Rookie draft. You have the one oh, okay. Let's say one oh four. Kyle Pitts gone, yep. Jamar Chase gone, Najee Harris gone. Just for I could just put it this way: Who would you rather pick, Travis Etienne or Javante Williams? Um, in a rookie Etienne. draft, Etienne. Etienne. That's why I'd rather have Etienne. That's where you're at too. Yeah. Um, like like if I'm looking at these running backs, so you know I'm probably that's probably the order that I'm going in. Um. I'm going to go Najee Harris. Then I'm going to go Travis Etienne. Then I'm going to go Javante Williams. Um, but you, you know what I yeah. will say too, is that if you're in a position where like, let's say you're in dynasty league and your running backs are great, not an issue right now, you wouldn't need to rely on picking a guy like Javante Williams and then him not coming through in year one. I might pick Javante Williams in that case, because I think Javante Williams in a three down role or Travis Etienne sharing that role with James Robinson, I think I'd rather have Javante Williams. And I'm a huge Javante Williams fan, so I might be a little biased. I know you're a huge Travis Etienne fan, but, like, I I don't think it's that big of a, a delta between the two, to be honest sure. with you. I really don't. Like, like I had them in the same tier. I had all these yeah. guys in the same tier. I had Najee in the same tier, too. Like but if my Javante... point is, like, Javante in a workhorse three-down role yeah. or – ETN in a shared role with James right. Robinson. So, so here's the thing, right? Like, uh, like you know how we're projecting um, this role for Javante next mm-hmm. year in 2022. We're we're relatively sure of that, right? I am the same, almost the same level, like in terms of like how sure I am that James Robinson is going to be a big part of the backfield in 2022. Like, I, I'm not even projecting that. Like, I'm not projecting. Gotcha. That, that both of these guys, ETN is definitely going to be in a, in a timeshare in 2022. I just don't know. And in the same way, I don't know that the Broncos aren't going to add a compliment to the backfield in 2022 sure. to share with Javante Williams. You know what I mean? So in this case, I'm going to go with like the guy who I think, uh, who I like better as a talent um, and who I think that, you know, he, I think he's the better pass catcher too. So I kind of feel like there's upside in terms of like that reception total with ETN. I think he's a little bit of a better of a playmaker, um, you know, in terms of long runs and that sort of thing. So that, that's kind of why I lean ETN. This has more to do with, uh, you know, pre-landing spot evaluation. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's move on to Michael Carter, man. Uh, drafted by the Jets. This is such an interesting spot, dude. It really yeah. is. I mean, he was sitting there on the board. Uh, I was one, you know, I'm a Jets fan and I was like, dude, this would be great. Like if, if he is on, if he, if he, this is the only running back the Jets, Jets grab, 
because um, we thought that you know ETN might go over there. We we thought that you know it might be Javante Williams there. Give me a second, <laughs> Javante Williams is sitting there. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I, I literally put out a tweet. I'm like, oh, this is great. So Javante Williams is either going to go to Atlanta, New York Jets, or Miami. So like three great landing yeah. spots. And then the Broncos did their <laughs> fucking thing. But <laughs> exactly, you know, I was surprised. So listen, the Jets have Tevin Coleman, Samaje Pirine. No, that's Samaje Pirine. <laughs> Michael P. Ryan. LaMichael P. Ryan and Ty Johnson as their three running backs. So it's safe to say, I, I think it's safe to say that Michael Carter is going to be their 1A in terms of uh, who their guy's going to be. Now, yep. to have Tevin Coleman playing in the same system as he did last year with an amazing offensive line, he couldn't get it done. He, he just couldn't. So he's a shell of what he used to be. I think his deal was absolutely, it was, it was like a, a near league minimum for Tevin Coleman. Um, so... Michael Carter coming into this role as the 1A. Listen, this guy's not going to get 80% of snaps, right? But he can get 65, right? He can be in a situation where he's getting five to eight targets a game um, with 10 to 12 carries. I keep going back to the Austin Eckler role. Like this, as long as you're getting a ton of targets in the passing game, and then you're getting this sort of like, you know, 10 to 12 carry, you know, eight to 12 carry load in the run game, that's extremely valuable. Uh, especially if you can be efficient. And we know that Michael Carter is that type of dude coming into the NFL who could be very efficient with his touches. So I'm very excited with this move. Uh, he becomes my RB4 uh, in Dynasty. Uh, so, it, you know, if I need a running back and those three running backs are taken, like he's going to be my guy. Like I'm taking him over Trey Easily. Sermon. Um, and the reason why I'm taking him over Trey Sermon is because there a is a little bit of volatility in terms of who that running back is going to be. Uh, we think it's Trey Sermon, but we, we, we just don't know. Um, but we, before we hit Trey Sermon, though, sure. uh, what do you think about the Michael Carter landing spot? So I love it. I, it's so funny because when I imagine a percentage of snaps that Carter would play, it was exactly 65. Like in my mind, I'm like 65 is like a perfect number for Carter to hit. So it's funny that it is. everybody thinks the same way. Um, look, it's the 49ers offensive zone lock running scheme. Great fit for a guy like Carter. He's someone who I was worried about being in a situation where they were just kind of hammer him up the middle. That's not the type of back he is. He's a big play outside of type runner. So this is absolutely perfect landing spot for him. He's not going to have much competition. He's not an every down guy. So like you said, other guys are going to come in. But the highlight of Michael Carter, and I feel like a lot of people, whenever they see like these shorter running backs, they're like, oh, third down, pass catching. Yard. No, Carter is a runner. Carter is a fantastic runner on the ground. That's his thing. His thing is not pass catching. Not to say he can't. He's a fine pass catcher. But his thing is being great running on the ground. So, yeah, I mean, look, I, I love Remember, he, he was He was Carter. second. Like I, I told, I said this before. He was second in yards after contact per attempt. This is not the pass game. This is the run game that was behind Javante Williams, his teammate. So, you know, he, and he was like fourth in yards after, you know, yards after uh, catch as well so like this dude like he knows what he's doing uh when it comes to both facets of the game he's not like a darren sproles type you could say exactly so uh, there's a lot of reason to be excited about a guy like carter um easily a running back too in my opinion probably on the lower spectrum just because look it's the unknown of what how well this offense is going to look how good is that offensive line really now with makai beckton elijah barry tucker two great pieces but there's still a lot of questions on the other side of that line so uh, you know, we'll have to see how this pans out. But from this vantage point right now, I love Michael Carter as a value in drafts. I think he's going to go in around the fourth round, uh, late third, early fourth, 
only in, in because, redraft. In redraft, only because Dude. the amount of crazy running backs that are taken early. I think like, it's going to be later than that, man. If it is, I will be all over this guy. But like, me too. He'll be a fantastic running back three. But um, I, I think realistically, especially if they run off that left side. <laughs> If they run off the left side, they're good. <laughs> they're good now, man. Yeah. But it just goes to show, too, that by the end of round three, I mean, do you envision Michael Carter being a top 20 running back? Yeah. I mean, if if what we're saying comes true, like in terms of opportunity, yeah. I mean, if they don't add any other running backs mm-hmm. to this backfield, I definitely think that could happen for sure. The issue with that being is by the end of round three, usually 20-ish running backs are already taken. Oh, do I, I, I thought you meant do I think he'll finish there. Do I think he'll be drafted as, as a top 20 back? I don't, man. Really? I don't think so. Yeah, I, I, I don't think so. I don't think people are that high on him like that. Um, and, and also, it's the be. Jets. It's also the Jets, too. Like, you know, people don't trust the Jets. Yeah, but <laughs> I don't know. know. It's kind of like, a you know, like the Browns. Le'Veon, got a new Browns Bell. Now. Le'Veon you know? Bell was having every down, was going to have an every down role. I mean, I know That's it was Adam, Adam Gase. Sure. For us, you know, for our perspective, you know, it was Adam Gase, but you know, I think the casuals probably don't have him there. But no, um, I agree, but the people, man. the people listening here, they're not casuals. They're going to get these values. I know that. That's all I know. Oh, man, they're loving you right now. Okay. <laughs> um, so let's move on to San Francisco. So they draft <laughs> Trey Sermon in the third round. Uh, and my boy, Elijah Mitchell who I'll be scooping up everywhere late in rookie drafts, by the way. I like Mitchell. Remember, I'm, I, 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 I touted him as a, a, a workhorse in the NFL if he's given the opportunity. Uh, but the 49ers, they don't have any running backs on contract after this year. Mm-hmm. Okay, so keep that in mind when you're drafting these guys. Like one of these guys could be the guy. And Trey Sermon right now, you got to give him the benefit of doubt because he is the guy that they drafted in the third round. Sure. He has the draft capital. Um, now, they traded two fourths to move up to get him. Um, and the fact that the 49ers traded up to get him, that might mean something. And maybe Kyle Shanahan thinks that he's going to fit that zone run scheme. So uh, let me know what you think about him before before I go, because I know, I know you wanted to talk about him. Yeah, Trey is – I was not a – I'm not a huge fan of Trey Sermon as a runner, as a running back. I am just not a fan of Trey Sermon. Um I, he doesn't have the top end speed. He's not, you know, he, he's not a bad pass catcher, but that's not his thing. He's a goal line short yardage guy for me. Not a not great vision. That's just how I see Trey Sermon as a player. But when you get into a system like San Francisco, then none of that really matters. You know, he's just plug and play, go in there, take the reps. The only problem from a redraft perspective, you have Trey Sermon, you have Raheem Mostert, you have have Jeff Wilson, you have Elijah Mitchell, we have Wayne Gallman, we have potentially Jamichael Hasty. We cannot leave out the fullback who was the leader in targets over the last couple of years, other than Jarek McKinnon, who will very much be involved as a pass catcher. We cannot leave out Trey Lance, who is definitely going to be running the ball and taking away some opportunity from these running backs in this offense. Is it realistically going to be an eight-headed backfield? Probably not. But at the same time, like it's so hard to get excited about a guy like Trey Sermon with all of that going on. And if I thought he was some overwhelming talent, like if, if the 49ers drafted ETN or if the 49ers drafted Javante Williams, sure. I'll buy in. But for me, Trey Sermon is not that overwhelming talent. Even, Oh, I forgot Elijah Mitchell, even in that equation. I don't know if I said it, but um, even like you said, Elijah Mitchell, another talented running back who could step into that role as well. So after this year, yeah, it's basically just 
Trey Sermon and Elijah Mitchell and the fullback on that team. But that's still Trey Sermon, Elijah Mitchell, the fullback, and Trey Lance. That's still not enough for me to get like excited about this guy potentially being a running back too. Right. Yeah, so what ha- so what happens when what have been we what have we been doing with the San Francisco backfield for the past three to four years? Buying into it, getting disappointed. Buying into it, getting disappointed. Well, what what I meant was draft strategy. You just draft the, the, the cheapest guy. <laughs> right. In this case, the cheapest guy is going to be Elijah Mitchell, right? Unless it's sure. you know some hype out of nowhere in camp. Um, and I think Trey Sermon is is going to be drafted at a relatively high price potentially because people think that he's automatically going to be the starter. Raheem Oster is still there, right? You know, we you know, there's there's a, a great chance that we don't know what's going to happen in this backfield come week one. I was saying the same thing where he, with Raheem Mostert last offseason. He was the guy, but obviously he got hurt, that sort of thing. It didn't work out completely. But this is a situation where you have to tread very lightly. You can't play, put your flag on a guy because you have no idea what Kyle Shanahan is thinking. Yep. You don't know. Let's say he, it is Trey Sermon as the starter. What, is he going to get 20 carries a game? When was the last time these running backs were getting 20 carries a game? Carlos it's only when the, it's only <laughs> when it's, it's only when that It's only when these other running backs are hurt where these running backs are getting a ton yep. of carries. So it's very possible that we see some ho- so, sort of three-headed backfield between Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, and Trey Sermon, right? Raheem Mostert, Trey Sermon, Elijah Mitchell. Raheem Mostert, Trey Sermon, uh, Wayne Gallman, right? Like, it, it, this can easily happen. This is going to be a huge competition in training camp. It's going to be fun to watch to see, like, who kind of emerges out of this you know, relatively talented pool um, of guys. Uh, but right now, the answer is nobody. Yep. The answer is the cheapest guy. Like if you're drafting for redraft today for whatever reason, because you're, you're that bored, uh, <laughs> you want to get your fantasy life started draft, in 2021. Maybe. Sure. Um, yeah, just go with the cheapest guy. Maybe not Elijah Mitchell right now, because, he, you know, the draft capital isn't there and there are other guys ahead of him most likely. Um, but yeah. In rookie drafts, though, or like in, in at the end of my dynasty roster, Elijah Mitchell is going to be there for sure. Okay, Kenneth Gainwell went to the Eagles in the fifth round. Uh, Miles Sanders, you know, I'm not really worried about his role. I still think he's going to be a three down back. Gainwell is primarily a pass catcher. Um, fifth round doesn't scare me off, but you know, keep an eye on him in training camp. I think that's that's worth worth talking about. Um, Ramondre Stevenson. Went to the Patriots. He was somebody that I was a little high on as well, more than most people. Um, but unfortunately, you know, he's buried in the depth chart right now. Damian Harris is still there. Sonny Michelle is still there. James White still there. Uh, could be intriguing at some point in the future, but definitely not right now. Uh, Chuba Hubbard, drafted by Carolina. He instantly becomes Christian McCaffrey's handcuff, right? Uh, he's, the Mike da- he's the Mike Davis replacement. Hubbard probably isn't as good as a pass catcher as even Davis is, but he'll fill in nicely if CMC were to ever go down. Uh, I think that's really it, man, in term, uh, terms of notable running backs, right? Um, so in Dynasty, like, I think we ranked our top five. Let me ask you this. Is Trey Sermon, your, does he take your fifth spot at this point? Top five running backs? <laughs> yeah, man, because we had – so we had those four well, guys, just right? because – who the fuck else? Like, nobody else can physically <laughs> be that fifth running back. Like, Kenneth Gainwell, no. Ramondre Stevenson, no. Like, there's – there just isn't five good running backs in this class. So like, like I mean, talent wise, sure. But like landing spot and situation, no, there I can't isn't. Wait. So I, I can't wait to clip this part up. 
Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> let's go wide receivers, man. Um, so he was a consensus rookie wide receiver one, I think, in Dynasty and Redraft. Yep. How are you viewing Jamar Chase in Redraft this season? Uh, obviously, he got drafted by the Bengals. Mm-hmm. Where do you think he gets drafted? And how are you – and are you targeting him? Uh, I am targeting him. I think he's going to be a top 20 wide receiver, which is going to be hard to do with how deep the class is. But I, I think he's just going to take over as that one. I think Boyd is going to do his thing in the slot. Chase is going to do his thing um, in that hybrid outside slot role type deal. Type deal. Um, I think him and Burrow are going to connect instantly. I, I'm not going to go crazy and say it's going to be Justin Jefferson situation from last year. But I think like, one of the things Jefferson proved is that rookie wide receivers can have success. And I feel like the, the mantra of rookie wide receivers not being able to have success kind of, you know, dialed back to um, dialed back to what Harmon was saying in our last episode, how we had a lot of bad wide receiver draft classes in a row. And these are just not guys who could produce year one. I mean, Harmon was talking about, um, Matt Harmon, if you guys missed it last week, which you should have seen, whatever. Um, but uh, Yeah, he, he was talking about how he didn't have the data for certain years. And of course, it was he, he had the data for the bad years and then missed the good years. But um, we've seen rookie wide receivers lately gain some traction. I think Jamar Chase is in a fine position to be a top 20 wide receiver. If he's going in the fifth, sixth round, I think that's a decent value. I, I, I would definitely take him in that area. Yeah, I personally wouldn't. I wouldn't take him fifth, sixth round. I think that there is a, a good chance that the targets are relatively distributed, you know, specifically in year one. You know, Tyler Boyd, you know, is still there. You know, he still has, a, you know, probably one of the best wide receiver twos probably going into the second year in T. Higgins. Um, so it's one of those things where I do think that the targets are going to be relatively distributed in year one. You know, I look at a lot of these great elite wide receivers, um, and a lot of them, you know, their first year was not bad, you know, seven, 800 yards, that sort of thing. And that, that's good, but mm-hmm. I would only take a guy like that if he's going late in drafts. And I don't think that Jamar Chase is going to be going late. I think there's going to be a, so much hype on him that we, we are going to have to draft him in the fifth or sixth round. And in that, in that spot, dude, like, I think there's going to be a lot of other wide receivers who are relatively established, um, who have, you know, a, a tremendous amount of upside that I'll, I'll probably be planting my flag on. For redraft, at least for for, sure. for dynasty, like he has so much upside, um, and I can't wait. And I'm listen. I'm not saying that he's not going to be successful year one because look what Justin Jefferson did. Jamar Chase was, you know, you could argue that he was the better wide receiver in college mm-hmm. when Justin Jefferson was playing in the slot next to him. So, um, but still, like this is a situation where you know he might not get an alpha, you know, wide receiver type of volume or target share, which is probably why I'll be staying off of him just because of that unknown. Um, um, for, I do want to add though, that AJ green, Tyler Boyd, and C Higgins all had over a hundred targets last year. And I think with Joe Burrow, he's not necessarily healthy, but he is going to be starting, which we hope for, which we project, right? When these players, we're not going to project Joe Burrow missing games. Cause that's just not how that works. We're projecting Joe Burrow playing 17 games. In that sense, considering all the three other wide receivers had over 100 targets, there's currently 194 vacated targets in Cincinnati right now. I think there's plenty of room for Jace to have that top 20 year one season. I understand not wanting to buy in on it in year one and like taking value in the fifth or sixth, just because first of all, wide receiver is so deep. There's going to be so many values in that fifth to sixth range. So I, I definitely understand that. 
but like I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of hype around him either like great wide receiver but I feel like what happens with the general consensus is we kind of get fixated on the past we get fixated on T Higgins did so good Tyler Boyd was pretty good for PPR so why would I want Jamar Chase there's already two other guys there and what we talk about a lot is alpha you know I don't know if we we haven't said this as a saying but like the alpha eats first and then the others do. So I think Chase is going to come in. I think he's going to be that alpha right off the bat. They really don't have too much else to pass to. Um, yeah. Tight end wise, they don't have, they have Drew Sample. It's not like there's anyone who's going to take it. away stuff there. So that's just yeah. Thing, Chase. No, yeah, no, I, I, I totally hear that. And and I think that it's one of those situations where like, if I was drafting him outside of that top 20 or to top, you know, top 25, and he can end up becoming a top 20, top 25. Like I would sure. love that. I just don't want to draft him at a, at the spot that I'm hoping that he gets to, you know. That's kind of it's kind of it's kind of my overall draft strategy, right? Like I usually want to draft a guy who you know has a lot of room to grow. Can sure. he become a wide receiver one his rookie year? Hell yeah, he can be. That's his upside for sure. Um, but I just don't want to buy into it when I can have other established guys sure. kind of in that same spot. If that makes sense. Makes but sense. we'll see. We'll see where his his uh, ADP lands. Um, it, it's very possible that's not in the fifth sixth round. Um, it might be a little bit later. So we'll yeah. see how that works out. So maybe some people will be scared about what I talked about in terms of like, oh, well, you know, that target share is going to be super, super, super distributed. But for me, like if he ends up in the seventh to eighth because of that, you know, that kind of group think if that that's what ends up happening, then I'll be glad to do it, man. Cause you know, you're not drafting him, you know, where, where you think his upside can, can lie, you know? Um, okay. So Devonte Smith, I think he's in a good spot, man. Like he, he has a good chance at being the wide receiver one on his team in Philly. Uh, I think there's less distri- distribution there, honestly. Like, it's possible he ends up commanding targets off the bat, you know, from his former teammate. I think he has a higher chance of potentially, like, leading his team in targets in, in, a, in a with a higher margin sure. uh, than like Chase does. Share. Yeah, I guess target share, like, you know, uh, you know, t- like, compared to the next guy. Um, like, I, like, we're not going to forget about Jalen Rager, who I think is still a buy, especially right now. Like people for, totally forgot about Jalen Rager and what kind of prospect he was in the terrible year that he had his first year, um, comparing him to Justin Jefferson too. Like there's a lot going on there, but I do think he's still a buy. If this offense were to ever pick up, I think these two guys can be a pretty solid combo. Um, obviously Dallas Goddard, you know, somebody that, you know, we all, we're a lot, bunch of us are targeting at a tight end position. Uh, but yeah, man, like I think it's one of those situations where he can come in to this offense and demand targets off the bat. And I don't think that he's going to be drafted too high in redraft. Yeah. And I think what kind of goes with that too, is uh, what we have to take into account is that the Eagles offensive line is going to be healthy, right? I mean, last year they're missing just about their whole line, but Andre Dillard's now back at left tackle. They drafted Landon Dickerson who can fill in for guard while Jason Kelsey finishes out his years at center. Brandon Brooks, Lane Johnson, both coming back. So, I mean, this is a healthy offense. I mean, coming off some serious injuries for some of these guys, but point being, like, the line's back at what would be full strength. And if Jalen Hurts has the time to get Devontae the ball, and one of the things I saw at Alabama with Devontae, even if you're not a huge believer in Jalen Hurts as a quarterback, by the way, they played together at Alabama, <laughs> Jalen Hurts and um, Devontae Smith. Yes, they did. But, um, Even if you're not a big believer, I'm not a big believer in Mac Jones. There was a lot of throws where I saw Mac Jones kind of lob up the ball to Smith, and then Smith have the whereabout 
and ability to go back and get that ball. And I think that's what he does best. He's really, really good at getting to the ball and making those catches and just fantastic playmaker all around. This is not a Henry Ruggs situation to me. This is not a Kevin White, Henry Ruggs, Brashad Perriman. We'll go down the list of fast, yeah. thin, speedy wide receivers who just didn't pan out. Um, he's, he's a he's, he's a slim reaper. He's a technician. Yeah. He's a technician. Yeah. So his thing is not fast. He is, his thing is talent. So I, I think that's what separates Devontae Smith from that class. Um, I, I think I have Devontae Smith ranked somewhere in the late 20s. Um, I have him right next to Rashad Bateman which is interesting. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, yeah, like you said, I'm a fan of Smith. I I think he'll be a great late round value this year. Yeah, I I think so too. Um, I don't think people are going to be as high on him as they are on Chase. Um, I think think he's in a situation where he can lead uh, this team in targets, uh, you know, in year one. Uh, And by the way, guys, uh, we're really focusing on landing spot here and how they fit in. We're not talking yeah. about the players themselves and what they're good at, et cetera. We, we did that in the, you know, the whole month of April, basically. Yes. So just check out those podcasts. We did wire receivers, running backs, quarter. We did all that. Uh, and, and we really dive deep into all these guys. So, so Especially. if you're interested in like what these guys skill sets are, yep. please take a listen. Listen. And I think Joe, what you were going to say was what, Especially the wide receiver episode with Matt Harmon, the wide receiver connoisseur. We're talking about wide receivers right now. He went very in depth on, all the guys we're talking about right now. So much value in that podcast. It was amazing, man. Oh my um, gosh. Okay. And one of the guys that he liked a lot, Jalen Waddle to the Dolphins. Um, listen, Dolphins have Will Fuller. They have Devontae Parker. They have Mike Kosicki, right? Is he going to get those high value targets right away? Maybe not. But listen, Fuller is only on a one-year deal. Parker's under contract until 2023, but it's easier to cut him after this year uh, if they need to. Uh, you know, if, they, he, if he doesn't pan out and he's been on and off, you know, over the past year or two. So it's a little bit tough. There is a path. Well, really this year, but there's a path for Waddle's future here for sure. Um, and like, honestly, like, and I think the, the guy who benefits the most is Tua, right? Oh, yeah. um, he has some weapons now, man. Like I, I just, and I just mentioned them, like he might do some things in 2021 if his guys can stay healthy, but Devontae Parker, Will Fuller, not really the epitome of health right uh but maybe like him and waddle make an impact quicker than we think because of that i think they will um waddle also played with tua at alabama as well so i i think what's really interesting here is the fact that um jalen waddle is a great slot receiver and that's something that miami has not had mike gazicki has really been the primary factor in that slot um, I believe they had uh, Albert Wilson a couple of years ago to be that guy in the slot with Devontae Parker on the outside, but Wilson ended up opting out and getting hurt. So uh, he just wasn't present for that. But Waddle in the middle of the field can be that safety net for Tua, which is really what he was missing, which is really why Miles Gaskin and some of these other running backs saw a ton of uh, passing volume last year. So <laughs> scheme fit. Love it for Jalen Waddle. I think he's a great fit. Fantasy-wise, it's going to get a little complicated because, like you said, we don't know how well Tua is going to do. Mike Gazeki also sharing that slot and seemed to be the favorite of Tua at the end of that year. So um, it'll be interesting. It'll be very interesting. I'm not necessarily targeting Jalen Waddle. If he falls to a point of value, sure. But I, I, I think most of all this hurts um, Will Fuller because – kind of viewed him as a guy who might see an uptick in targets 
and be, you know, he, he is the best weapon when he is healthy. That's just who Will Fuller is. Now that's Jalen Waddle. Um, and on top of that, it's going to hurt Mike Gazicki, who I was a huge fan of, but he's going to fall out of my top 10 right now. I'm really, really, really hurts that for me. I think Jalen Waddle is going to take over that slot. I think Gazicki is going to be kind of a secondary guy. So we'll see. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, Gazicki probably still play. He'll, he might play in line. Uh, yep. I think he'll still be on the field most most of the time. He'll still be their starter. Um, they did draft Hunter Long. Yeah, they did draft Hunter Long as well. So uh, we'll see what they end up doing there. You know, like they, they have three solid wide receivers now. Um, I still think Will Fuller is going to be their wide receiver one when he's healthy. Uh, but Devontae Parker can easily be a wide receiver two, you know, if he's healthy, right? So it's it's going to be interesting to see how this target share splits up. Probably why I won't have much of Waddle uh, in redraft, at least in dynasty, I still believe in him, uh, redraft though. Like it, it'll be tough. Like he would have to go pretty late. Um, and he, it's possible that he's somebody that you actually pick up on the waiver wire, you know, once these guys get hurt, it's very, yeah. it's very possible. Um, okay. Elijah Moore to the jets, man. Um, I think this is an awesome landing spot. You know, honestly, like they got some values on these guys, him and Michael Carter. Uh, and, and, and we talked about this before, like, I'm a big fan of Elijah Moore. Um, I'm not sure how much he plays in year one. Like I'm not, I'm also not sure. It, I think it depends on Jameson Crowder, honestly. Yep. Uh, if he's, if he sticks around this season, um, I know he definitely won't be here next year, but Moore can start in the slot right away. He can play outside. Like we spoke about, right. Um, he's intriguing, man. Uh, did you see that video by the way, with AJ Brown and him, uh, yeah, AJ, AJ Brown, AJ really Brown Dude, not even teared up, dude. The dude was balling. Like, so AJ Brown, for those who don't know, there's a video with AJ Brown who's hanging out with Elijah Moore because they were uh, teammates at, at, at Ole Miss, him, yep. DK Metcalf, all, all these guys. Uh, and AJ Brown was hanging out with him. This dude was, it was just a five minute video of AJ Brown just balling, crying to Elijah Moore, just like so happy for him. He's basically saying to him, like, dude, like, honestly, like, you're, you're the best, like, you're, you're, our, you're the best wide receiver out of all of us. Like, we just have the heart. You know, we just have like that, but you had the skills. Like I, I, like he was just so happy for him, and it just felt like he truly felt like he was like a really good wide receiver. Bro, I was going full Jets fandom right here. About to do some big things, a hundred percent, bro. I'm, and why do you think I asked you specifically about a guy like uh, uh, Mac Jones? Because I wanted to hear your 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 real reaction. You know, but this is me right now. I, I, let me have my moment, damn it. Yeah, take um, it, take it. but yeah, no, I just have this feeling with Elijah Moore that he's gonna be a good player in the NFL. Uh, and for fantasy too, like his, like what I liked about him, if you listen to the episode, the wide receiver episode was the fact that his route running, obviously, you know, Matt, you know, Matt, um, uh, Matt Harmon, Matt Harmon, like, you know, he talked about his route running. He said that he could win at all levels, but the fact that like, he's able to like, uh, catch the ball down the field, he has some contested catch ability, even though he's not the biggest guy in the world. Um, he's like a mini Antonio Brown almost uh, in terms of like what his ceiling can be. So uh, he's a guy that I, I'm, I like a lot in dynasty. Uh, and between these guys, like are there is, be, be, the guys that we mentioned so far, do you have any of these guys outside of your top five? These are top five receivers. Is there anybody else who got drafted who will pop into those top, that top five, whether it's Kadarius, Tony, Terrace Marshall, <laughs> No, <laughs> uh, Rashad, Bateman. Rashad Bateman. We didn't talk about him. Rashad Bateman would be there for you, right? Yeah. So, okay. Rashad actually, Bateman. We, actually, we didn't even hit five. We hit Chase. We hit Devonte. We hit Waddle. Uh, we hit Elijah Moore, and then yeah, the fifth one was usually Bateman. 
Um, awesome. Now, but let, let, let's let's hit on Bateman though, because, and we'll talk about where he ranks uh, between these guys. For me, Bateman was my fourth wide receiver, uh, that mm-hmm. my favorite wide receiver ahead of Elijah Moore. But now, Elijah Moore, because of the landing spot, and mostly because of Rashad Bateman's landing spot, Bateman has slid down for me a little bit. And honestly, man, so the, the Ravens got Tyler Wallace. They drafted Rashad Bateman as well as their first receiver. I think Rashad Bateman instantly becomes their wide receiver one. Absolutely. Um, but my only issue with that is that I just don't think that he's going to have the upside that you're looking for uh, in a guy like this. You want somebody who has the upside of being a you know top 15 guy, that sort of thing. I just don't think it's going to happen here. I don't think he's going to be consistent for you. It's less about Lamar Jackson for me, man. Uh, and it's more about their offense. It's more about uh, Greg Roman, you know, and, yeah. and it's about the offense that they're running. They're just going so run heavy right now. They just don't have enough pass attempts to like have this guy at this upper echelon of wide receivers as a whole, because you have these other offenses who are running like, uh, you know, high passing octane offenses that those are the guys who are going to be up there uh, or just, yeah. just have, or just run a normal offense. That's all you got to do. Run a normal offense and you'll have a wide receiver one potential on your team. I just don't think that's going to happen. Hollywood Brown moving to the wide receiver two role. I think that's much better for him. And between these two guys, like I might rather have him because he has the better chance of catching these long touchdowns while defense are actually, defenses actually have other guys to worry about. I will say I'm a huge fan of the player in Bateman. Yes. Um, Me too, I man. Matt, Matt Harmon talked about him being a Keenan Allen type. Yeah. I, and that's what I thought too. Like yeah. coming into that podcast, um, he was one of my favorite wide receivers. And um, I just loved how he played, but. I'm just so upset at this landing spot. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? For me, I'm doing something I normally don't do, which is, you know, obviously you got to analyze the landing spot. You got to do this. I'm just thinking about the talent right now. And I'm just thinking about if you're an offense, you want to get your best player the ball. That's been Lamar Jackson for quite some time. At times, it's been Mark Andrews. I, I just think Rashad Bateman is such a good player. And the coverage he's going to see in that slot role with Mark Andrews, all defenses worrying about Lamar Jackson, Marquise Brown on the outside. I, I think the coverage that Bateman's going to face is going to be really what gets him his value. Um, well, we don't know that he's going to start in the slot right now, do we? I, I mean, like, we can't say for sure. I mean, but who's like, going to play on the outside for them? You know what I mean? Like, is it going to be, is it gonna be, I would assume that he would start on the outside. That's my assumption right now, just because he's most capable of that. Um, being that X receiver, right? Yeah. And then you have Hollywood kind of be that flanker, right? Uh, that's what I assume. Now, yes, in college, you know, he played a lot in the slot. You know, he was kind of the inside-outside type of guy. He played the Z, right? Um, can we see that here? Sure. I just I just don't know. It, yeah, like you said, if he's in the slot, it's a lot better. But will the volume be there? That's the question. Yeah, look, the situation, like you said, not great. But he's not someone I'm avoiding either. I just think talent-wise, sometimes talent just – finds a way you know like they say life finds a way so you're like sometimes <laughs> talent just kind of finds a way to be relevant so that's true i'm i'm not avoiding rashad bateman not necessarily do, do, targeting him do not avoid him that's yeah, that is both him. of our that's both of our advices this dude is this dude is a baller do not avoid just yeah. just be careful what you pay that's all i'm gonna say yeah and because of the lack of tight ends that 
we're going to talk about. We could probably bring up Rondell Moore too, who sure. uh, landed in a great spot in Arizona. Um, I mean, do you think he starts in the slot as a wide receiver and he's got sneaky good year one value? Because that's what I'm feeling right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to put out four wide receivers, right? Yeah. AJ Green's going to be on the field, right, with uh, Christian Kirk and with DeAndre Hopkins. So, yeah, we could see you know, four wide receivers on the field and Rondell Moore could be that guy. Right. Um, it's very possible. So I'm okay with that. But at the same time, is he going to get the targets that we're looking for? Like, is, is he going to be fourth on, on the, you know, fourth in target share on this team? I don't know. I, hopefully, things- he get, hopefully he gets more targets than AJ green. That's what I'm hoping for. I, I, the fact that AJ green, I'm still going to say this again, like AJ green, that got signed for that much. Like I was so surprised uh, <laughs> that he had, he had that type of sign. He's got a good us. agent. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Something's <laughs> going on there. <laughs> um, but, you know, Arizona, they kind of they kind of punted the tight end position. Their starting tight end right now is Max Williams. I think their backup is Daryl Daniels. So Dan Arnold no longer there. There's just there's nothing going on in that tight end room. Um, one of the things that I put out, out on Twitter, Rondell Moore is going to be but what we wanted Andy Isabella to be. Right. He's going to be that slot type guy. And look, we don't know that for a fact. This is one of the things you put on Twitter. It's full of hot takes. But like, <laughs> point being, I really think that Ronzo Moore at his very best can be what we wanted Andy Isabella to be for so long. I was a big Andy Isabella fan when he was drafted. I thought he could have some sneaky year one value, especially if you're being drafted at the very tail end of the draft. He's something, someone I was interested in in a four wide receiver offense. Now that they literally have no tight ends, Four wide receivers is going to be in full swing. It's going to be Hopkins, and the second best receiver is going to be whoever claim, you know, whoever takes that role, whoever becomes their second best weapon. And um, clearly, they don't feel comfortable with Christian Kirk being that guy. He's been a little inconsistent. AJ Green I, I, at this point in his career, I, I, I wouldn't believe. I, I wouldn't say that's the case. Like, I don't think it's clear. I don't think anything points to them thinking that Christian Kirk is clearly not their wide receiver too. Okay. I just Fair. think that they want to field as many good wide receivers as possible. You know what I mean? Because they want to have, because they run this weird, you know, 10 personnel that nobody else in the league runs so often with the four, yeah. four wide receivers out there. Um, they just want as many good wide receivers out there as possible. Like, look at what they did year one when Cliff Kingsbury came through when they drafted Kyler Murray. They drafted Andy Isabella. They drafted Hakeem Butler. They drafted Keyshawn Johnson. Right, like they drafted all these guys in the same draft class, literally none of them panned out. So you know, he's not the best evaluator of wide receiver. Right? I yeah. can think, I think we can say that pretty, pretty confidently. Um, and then they, and then he takes DeAndre Hopkins and throws him on the left side and never moves him anywhere. So like, <laughs> yeah, we could talk about that for days. But this is this is the type of stuff that that makes me a little bit nervous. Uh, you know, even with the guy like um, with Rondell Moore, it's because of like, are they going to use him properly? Yeah. yeah, makes sense. Um, okay, so uh, Kadarius Tony, uh, drafted by the Giants, uh, went when both Rashad Bateman and Elijah Moore still on the board, <laughs> but hey, he fits a need. He fits he? a need. He doesn't. He doesn't. Like I, I really didn't understand this pick at all. Um, I'm not interested in Kadarius Tony from a fantasy perspective because nope. they have Galladay. They have Shepard, they have Darius Slayton, they have Ingram. I don't know what kind of role he's going to play. 
No idea. Who is it taking off the field? If if you're putting him in the slot, which you have to do, right? Because of his skill set, what are you are you going to put Shepard on the outside? Is he going to rotate with Darius Slayton? You're going to have a full rotation between these guys. Gallard is the only one who's going to be on the field at all times. So this is going to be. I, I didn't really understand that at all. So I'm I'm off of Tony. Yeah, I was never on Tony. In um, yeah, I, I think it's a situation where the only reasonable explanation I can say is all right. Playmaking guy, fast guy, sure. Yeah. More weapons for Daniel Jones to ensure he succeeds. Sure, yeah. why not? Decent depth adds to the depth. Why not? Wait, they could have went off round, though. The yeah, they could have easily. Went, they could have easily Dude. taken Quiddy Pay. They could have easily taken Rashawn Slater if they stayed and did not trade back. If, but if you're going to draft a wide receiver, draft somebody who has that upside. Exactly. Draft somebody like Elijah Moore. Draft somebody like Rashad Bateman. What this what does, doing? though, it makes it easier for us. Because imagine if they did draft a Rashad Bateman. And then you're looking at, uh, okay, we got Saquon. We got Kenny Galladay. What's he going right. to do? And then can Daniel Jones support two guys? I just feel comfortable knowing I, that Kenny Galladay is the guy. And I don't have to worry about I, it. I, I'd rather Rashad Bateman go to the Giants. So that whoever the Giants get in 2022 as their quarterback, higher upside. <laughs> I don't think Lamar Jackson is going anywhere. But you never know. Maybe Greg Roman might not stick around forever. But that's another True. thing. That would be interesting. Dude, if another coordinator comes in and then starts getting Lamar Jackson. I think Greg Roman's going to get fired this year. I think this is the year. Very I think possible. Halfway through the season, they're going to hit this thing where Lamar is going to struggle it. again. Joe's huh? calling it, guys. Joe's calling it. Calling it. I've got a lot of calls on this episode for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> but right, no, I, I really feel like Le- that Greg Roman is going to get fired. During the season. I mean, the offense came to a standstill for like half of last season. Right, yep. if not more, it was in the last couple of games that Lamar started to pick it up. But I, I don't know. I, I think we're going to see an offensive coordinator change, and if we don't, that means the offense is succeeding. This is exactly what happened in San Francisco. Yep, it was rolling at first. Defenses figured it out. It's done. And okay. like Schottenheimer in Seattle. Yeah, similar, similar thing. You know, it works for a little bit, but once people get a hold of what you're doing, that's over. Yep. There's not enough creativity there. Um. Listen, there's no doubt he knows what he's doing in the run game, right? There's no doubt. But the, once the concepts are figured out, there's not much you can do after that point. Hopefully, they open it up a little bit, yeah. um, especially for the sake of Rashad Bateman, man. <laughs> Yo, but Sam Darnold, man, like what a what a life change this guy had, man. He goes from Adam Gase to one of the best situations ever, like in terms of like a change in his career. This dude now has uh, – Robbie Anderson, well, he got back Robbie Anderson. He has DJ Moore. He has Christian McCaffrey. He has Terrace Marshall, who they just drafted. Um, and he has he's going to be operating Joe Brady's offense. It doesn't get better than that, man. Good for him. And I feel like Sam Darnold, you know, is somebody who, maybe not from a fantasy perspective, but, like, in, re- in real life, he can, make a, he can take a huge 180, man. He can get his career started. Um, and as a Jets fan, I'm happy for him, man. I hope that can happen. Uh, you know, we needed to move on. But look what happened in New York, too, right? Things are moving there, too. So, like, it, it might work out for both sides. Um, so, good for, good for him. Uh, I'm not necessarily interested in Terrace Marshall right now because yeah. of the fact that, you know, Robbie's there and DJ Moore is there. Uh, but it is interesting that's, that Sam Darnold got there, got, like, a bunch of dudes to, to, to try the rot to. What's really going to interest me is how they play these wide receivers at each position. I've heard some talk about Robbie Anderson potentially being in the slot which I think would be really, really interesting if you have Terrace Marshall lining up on the outside. 
You know who, who I think play is, in you, you know who I think is going to go in the slot? DJ Moore. I do. I that do. Would I think be it's going to happen. Nice, dude. I do think I mean, it's going to happen. Sam Darnold might have gotten used to just chucking it to Jamison Crowder right there. Yeah. And that's a great point that you bring up. And I talked about it. Um, I, I was talking about it on a couple lives over the weekend. Uh, but the fact that they did draft Terrace Marshall, um, Joe Brady, when, when Terrace Marshall looked so last year in 2020, Terrace Marshall played in the slot. But when Joe Brady was there in 2019, he played on the outside while Justin Jefferson played in the slot. So he arguably put, put one of his best receivers in the slot. Joe Brady could do the same thing. He could put Terrace Marshall back on the outside where he was at LSU with him, and he could put his best receiver in the slot. So that will be interesting, man, to see, to see what he does there or if he continues with Marshall in the slot uh, like he was at LSU last year. But it will be interesting to see – if DJ Moore's in the slot, though, dude, I'll be all over that. Like, I'm already over. I'm already, like, in on DJ Moore this year, no matter what, uh, because I know what his price is going to be. But in the slot, oh, boy. Another I, guy who's going to likely – oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I just want to add on Terrace Marshall. I think there is definitely some boom or bust value, um, like weekly boom or bust value for a guy like Terrace Marshall. Um, 198 vacated targets in Carolina right now. Yeah. Curtis yeah. Samuel left a big hole. Oh yeah, and that's part of the reason why I love DJ Moore so much, man. Because I just think he's gonna, he's going to go apeshit next year. Um, but yeah, no, that's a great point. I, I don't think I, I, we should be sleeping on him. We should he definitely he should definitely be on our radar at least. Um, you know, one and another guy who's going to be be drafted, uh, who got drafted to play in the slot, uh, is Amari Rogers. Um, I think you know Green Bay is working towards Aaron Rodgers potentially not being in Green Bay, um, so they needed to draft somebody else. Uh, to, you know, so that, you know, Packers fans don't lose the jersey that they bought. And then they're going to cha- change Amari Rogers' number to number 12. I think that's what's going to happen. <laughs> uh, but, but no, I'm, I'm kidding. But I do think that Amari Rogers, let, let's say, let's say that um, Aaron Rodgers is still the quarterback of the Packers next year. I do think that Amari Rodgers can, can have a role right away. I think he can contribute right away, uh, especially from the slot, because he's not going to face that press coverage. He's not going to be – you don't have to worry about that, and that's his skill set. Can he win on the outside? Maybe not. But from the slot, Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to hit him, um, and he'll be a great compliment to Monte Adams. And I, I think one of the things, too, is um, Amari Rodgers playing in the slot. I mean, when's the last time – uh, Aaron Rodgers had a good slot receiver, Randall Cobb. Cobb. Not saying he's going to be the new Randall Cobb, but point being, like, that's a position they needed. And that's something that I think um, uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to take full advantage of, assuming he is the quarterback. So, Mario Rodgers, some sneaky late round value. I mean, you have MVS and Alan Lazard sharing that outside role next to um, Devontae Adams. But the slot's going to belong to Mario Rodgers, so we'll see. I know MVS played in the slot a little bit too, but um, yeah. And, and, and when Lazard was healthy, he was their slot guy. Uh, yeah. But number one is—is is he even on the Packers this year? Lazard? Sure. Yeah, I believe yeah, is so. He, is he? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he is. Okay, good. Okay, well, you know, they—they they drafted Mario Rodgers, uh, and so that means that he's going to play in the slot. Like Mario Rodgers doesn't have that sort of skill set to play on the outside, yeah. uh, so they drafted him for that reason. Um, Diami Brown uh, got drafted by Washington. He was somebody who I was relatively high on, 
you know, when, when we're talking about these later wide receivers, he's the guy that I thought people were sleeping on a little bit, um, you know, great downfield ability and great with the contested casualties. And who does that fit with perfectly? Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, how much of the field is he going to see? Um, they have Terry McLaurin. They have Curtis Samuel. They have Adam Humphreys. They have Logan Thomas. Um, so, but he does fit that mold. Um, you know, it's tough though. Like how long is Fitzgerald going to be their quarterback? Fitzpatrick going to be their quarterback, right? Like it's going to be past this year. It's going to be eight games into this year. Like who the knows? Taylor Heineke know. takeover is on the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you never know what, what's going to happen there. Uh, but, but listen, Washington is putting together a good solid team. Their defense is probably one of the best in the NFL already. Uh, their offense is looking like really on the up as well. So they're going to surprise a lot of people. And then, like honestly, they might be. They might like going into 2022. If Fitzpatrick's no longer there for whatever reason, they might just be a quarterback away from being like a serious contender. Um, mm-hmm. You know, with Ron Rivera there as their coach, like it, it, it's looking pretty promising for them. It's amazing how quickly they were able to turn things around uh, as soon as Ron Rivera became their coach. Um, I was just but yeah, uh, they stuck with Diami uh, Brown is a little yeah. bit intriguing in dynasty yeah. circles. Absolutely, and I, I'm surprised they stuck with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I, I was really surprised they didn't go for one of the quarterbacks, whether it's a Kellen Mond or Davis Mills or even Kyle Trask in the second round. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, maybe that goes to show you know how much they 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 already they believe they might have the quarterback on their roster already. You know what I mean? Heineke. Yeah, you never. He could learn a lot from Ryan Fitzpatrick, and he played. Oh, yeah. He played better against Tampa Bay than any of the other teams in the playoffs did. You know, credit right. to Mahomes for losing his entire left line and one of his legs, but you know, right. yeah, man. Okay. Uh, so a few other guys uh, might not go into too much detail on them, but Dwayne Eskridge landed in Seattle. Um, uh, I'm St. Brown in Detroit. Uh, it's possible that he starts out right away in the slot. Remember Detroit. <laughs> remember uh, Detroit has the highest uh, vacated targets, the highest vacated end zone targets. And the highest vacated um, air yards as well. So, like, there's a ton of opportunity to go around. I think it's all going to go uh, towards TJ Hawkinson. But, you know, there will be some available for the number one wide receiver. And listen, Amon Ross St. Brown is coming into a situation where there is nobody, uh, you know, who he has will have a ton of competition for. Obviously, this will be a competition for that spot. But at the same time, he actually has a chance to win it. Um, but we'll see. And apparently, there is a there is a world where like he fits into the skill set that Jared Goff is used to, um, especially if he lines up in the slot to start out. He could be that big slot guy for Jared Goff. Um, Tutu Atwell to the Rams. That was a really really interesting pick to me. I did not understand that at all. This dude is like five four. Um, you know he plays wide receiver. I don't know. Do you have any they idea? Drafted Van Jefferson last year. Like yeah, I just I, I don't know what they're gonna do with this pick. Maybe he's maybe I don't know. He's like a Tavon Austin type of guy, but just but just shorter. <laughs> so like I don't really know what was happening there. More useless, um, you're trying to say. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. Um, okay, so I guess in Dynasty, like this is how I'm looking at it. Okay. I'm looking at Chase in in somewhat relative order. Chase, Devante, Moore, uh, Elijah Moore, Waddle, Bateman, Terrace Marshall, Amari Rogers, Rondale Moore. Diami Brown, Kadarius Tony, and Amon Rasay Brown. That's kind of how I look at it in Dynasty. In redraft, I'm going to consider Chase, Devontae, Amon Rasay Brown, Amari Rodgers, if Aaron Rodgers plays, and that's about it. And Elijah Moore, if Jameson Crowder gets hurt. 
that's kind of how I see it for this year. Yeah. Any thoughts on like who you might be targeting in, in either format or, or what order? Uh, similar, but with a lot of guys, I'm a yeah. little higher on Bateman. I know the situation isn't great, but again, I'm just kind of buying into that talent and just for, for redraft, kind of, correct? For redraft, yeah. And okay. I think it's going to come down to value. Like, again, like you mentioned earlier, rankings are kind of tricky. Like, can I factor in value? Who you think is going to finish higher? Who you just overall like better? There's a lot that goes into rankings, but, um, you know, I, I do like Rashad Bateman as a player, and I'm hoping he gets that opportunity. Um, Elijah Moore, definitely up there. Um, I think I'd have Rondell Moore a little higher. I am worried about ter- about Armand Ross St. Brown only because, like, okay, the situation's good in terms of all the vacated targets, but, like, there's like he's a fourth-round guy. The Lions didn't really put any heavy draft capital into taking a wide receiver. For me, their plan is going to be TJ Hawkinson Swift, and then yeah. it's kind of a situation where if Monroe plays in the slot, I think we're going to see, like in, in Baltimore, how we're talking about how Bateman in the slot doesn't have as much upside. I think guys like Quintez, Cephas, um, or even Brashad Perryman, who came off a decent year. I'm not, he's nothing special, but he's coming off a decent year. Um, I, I think those are the guys that are really going to have that upside. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a big Quintez Cephas fan. We talked about him way early on in the season and who would have thought by now that the Lions would have no wide receivers and he actually has a chance to compete for that starting outside role. Um, yeah, and, and, and he did really well too. Yeah, no, he did. And I think this is one of those situations where you could just monitor it during camp and during, during preseason that I think we're going to have a preseason this year, correct? Sure. Awesome. Three games instead of four. Yes, that's right. So, okay, great. We'll have something to watch in August. Uh, so that's good. So yeah, it's one of those situations where, you know, you just kind of see who, who's winning that, that, that battle in camp. Um, and at tight end, Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts. That's it. Uh, <laughs> but I just, I do want to talk about how good of a fit he is with Arthur Smith. Okay. Uh, so in 2020, the Titans were fourth in target share, two tight ends, according to fantasy pros in a full season. So Listen, he was handpicked for this offense, right? He should make an immediate impact. And you listen to our tight end episode, and you talk, or listen to anybody else in the whole world. They, you could, you know how good of a, a prospect Kyle Pitts is, and he's just that elite guy, um, or he's supposed to be that elite guy. So I can totally see Atlanta trading away Julio at this point <laughs> if that's the direction they want to go and they want to get some value from him. Uh, but even with Julio and Billy there, I can see Pitts having a huge impact in year one. Um, I, I don't mind, you know, I don't mind um, people ranking him as like a top six tight end this year because there's not that many tight ends that you have confidence in, right? Like you kind of, in this situation, you just bet on talent. It's and pretty easy what, to be a top six tight end. In exactly, this exactly, right? Like I'm going to put probably Hawkinson fourth, right? After this draft, you know, Goddard's up there. Um, you know, there's a couple other guys, but at the same time, like you just can't bet against Kyle Pitts, you know, at this point. Um from a redraft perspective, he's the only guy uh, I care about. Um, from a dynasty perspective, um, if I'm not playing in Superflex, right, if, if you're playing in a one-quarterback league uh, and I don't have a tight end, he's going to be my one-on-one, uh, most likely, over Jamar Chase, you know, over uh, Najee Harris. Uh, if I'm good at those positions, like if I desperately need a running back, maybe I'll go Najee there. But uh, if I don't, if I'm relatively good at running back, if I'm – okay at wide receiver 
I'm going to go with a position that I could have a huge positional advantage with. Uh, and I'm going to take that chance. Like, even if you bust, man, it, you got to, I feel like you got to take these chances on these once in a generation type of prospects, especially at a position where there is, it's so top heavy and you're going to have a, a, an advantage over the rest of your league. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Kyle Pitts, there's not really too much else to add, like top six, yeah. top seven tight end. Um, in terms of other guys I did want to bring up real quick, though. Sure. Um, I was looking for like a tight end to land in that perfect spot and it didn't happen. Pat Freermuth landed in Pittsburgh. Um, Hunter Long, another guy I like, he landed in Miami. But Tommy Tremble landed in Carolina. Yeah. And there's a gaping hole at tight end in Carolina. And they could get creative with him in that offense. So he's someone to keep an eye on. Uh, Luke Farrell. Jacksonville. He was the Ohio State tight end. Drafted by Urban Meyer. Gaping hole at tight end in Jacksonville. Potential for him to have a role there. Uh, Brevin Jordan. One of my one of the tight ends I really liked. He got drafted into Houston. Where as of right now, there's a ton of vacated targets. ton of opportunity. By the way, I don't know if you talked about him. But Nico Collins um, drafted in the third round. Yep. Someone who did you talk about him or? Nope. Nope. No, we didn't. I'm glad you brought <laughs> yeah, him up. So Nico Collins, wide receiver, big guy, um, can line up opposite of Brandon Cooks. He could very well be a day one starter considering Randall Cobb and Kiki QT are both slot guys. So um, definitely another guy to keep an eye out. But yeah, that's kind of it for the tight end position. Wasn't anything all yeah. too exciting. Uh, Trey McKitty, uh, drafted Trey McKitty by the, the Chargers. Chargers. Josh uh, Palmer th- as well in, in, the, in the third round. Uh, so that's interesting. <laughs> you know, if you, if you were high on Donald Parham, like me, that might make yep. you a little bit iffy, a little bit, uh, you're hoping that. Yeah. it, it kind of does a little bit. So um, I just want to like, kind of just run through some draft winners and losers uh, real quick. Right. Uh, I think Mike Davis, obviously, right. The, the Falcons didn't draft a running back. The he's going to, he's going to be their three down guy, right. They don't have, Listen, these were the guys that they had in the roster last year who they don't have now. No more Brian Hill, no more Todd Gurley, no more Edo Smith. They added Cordell Patterson, and that's it, right? So there's not much to say. They have Kwaji Olison. I don't think he's going to do much in terms of, like, getting much of a, a carry, uh, much of a percentage of workload right now. So there are some other, you know, veterans that they could add to this backfield. But as of right now, Mike Davis is that dude. Um, so... Miles Gaskin, huge winner here. Um, you know, I, you know, he's. It seems like he's going to be their guy. Like I know that uh, Salvin Ahmed, uh, you know, came in for the, for the games that Ahmed came. You, listen, you're going to correct the brown dude. How to spell Ahmed? Ahmed's my middle name. You know that? You know that? Um, no, I'm not even joking. It is. So uh, <laughs> the look that Joe just gave me. Is it really? Um, yes, it is. Um, I know you still don't believe me yet. Um, <laughs> but dude, he came in when Miles Gaskin was hurt. When, when Miles Gaskin came back, he got his workload back. I was looking into that, so it's going to be interesting. I have an article coming uh, out on him coming out soon. Um, but he's obviously intriguing going into next season. We'll see if they add any veterans. <clears throat> Chase Edmonds, right? Like James Conner is there. They didn't draft a running back, um, so I'm very excited about Chase Edmonds too. Yeah. Depending on what his price is going to be, Edmonds was a running back too with Drake and. Connor is a significant downgrade from Drake in terms of an asset on the field and the $2 million contract Connor has. Yeah. And, and the chances are the chances that he gets hurt. I, I don't wish injury on anybody. I'm not wishing it on him, but the chances are that he gets hurt is, is, is relatively high, especially if they give him some sort of workload anywhere close to Drake's. 
Um, AJ Brown, man, like we thought he was going to get 180 Ooh. targets this year, and it's going to happen, man. They My wide receiver one, bro. They lost John o. Smith. They lost Adam Humphreys. They lost Corey Davis, uh, and they did one. not ask. They did not draft anybody. So wide receiver one, man, that's it. Uh, I mean, Josh Reynolds is their dude, but come on, please. Uh, we mentioned Sam Darnold being a winner. Anthony uh, Ferkser also. Just wanted to bring him up. Oh, yeah, Anthony Ferkser. Thank you. Thank you. That's a good one. That's a good one. Anthony Ferkser being a winner there. He could be second in targets on that team. You get top 15 tight end easily. Yeah. Top 10 even. Top 10 is yeah. not impossible considering That's the amount of targets available. It's not no. hard to do. Not at all. Uh, we mentioned Tua being a winner. Chris Herndon, still believe in him. He's in a much better scheme now. We mentioned that George Kittle type of role. Uh, Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney being a winner after they drafted Justin Fields. Uh, Lamar Jackson, man, he got two good receivers, you know, in addition to Hollywood Brown. So, like, it's possible, it's possible that he can put up some big numbers and be a little bit more consistent in the passing game. Um, Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. This, this, this backfield right here, you know, is ambiguous, but hey, listen, I'm still somebody who believes more. Not, I'm not a Zach Moss believer, but I do believe that Zach Moss is a better running back than Devin Singletary, and I do think that if he's giving if he's given that opportunity, he's going to run with it. He's capable of both the run game, the pass game. He's better in the short yardage game. He's just better at everything over Devin Singletary. Yeah, and just really quick on that note, I wanted to add that towards the end of the year last year when Zach Moss was hurt, we saw Devin Singletary coming off the field a lot for TJ Yeldon. So it seems like the priorities for the Buffalo Bills is – Zach Moss. So we'll yep. see if he can take any kind of step forward. And I keep saying this over and over again. If Zach Moss didn't hurt his toe in the beginning of the year, I do think that we would be thinking of him very differently right now. Very possible. Um, Matt Ryan, he got, got, got another weapon, man. Kyle Pitts. He's, if, if Julio stays there, is Julio really Kyle Top Pitts? Top 15 quarterback. I beat that. Um, and then he has a he has Mike Davis who can actually catch the ball on the backfield. Who did he have last year? You know what I'm saying? So like yep. he actually has somebody who, who, who will be reliable there. Um, DeAndre Swift won no pass catcher like they didn't draft a legit wide receiver one to take anything away uh, from from these these guys him and Hawkinson so I think that when these type of situations where there's a ton of vacated opportunity in the pass game the running backs win like crazy every single time so despite the fact that Jamal Williams signed there it doesn't matter DeAndre Swift is going to be that dude Um, Brian Edwards someone super deep uh, in Dynasty, who is currently the Raiders' ex receiver. So, listen, like I know he got hurt early last year. He, he couldn't get it going, uh, but he's somebody that, you know, I, I still relatively somewhat believe in. He broke out super early at a young age, 30% dominator rating when he was 18 years old. Only a year removed from that, I think he could potentially surprise somebody that, you know, you, you might want to just like have at the bottom of your roster. Uh, another deep guy, Traquan Smith, man. If Jameis is their guy, they didn't yep. draft a wide receiver. Uh, if Jameis is their guy, more deep shots downfield, something that Drew Brees can do. Too. And Adam Trotman as well. Exactly. I want to bring up one as well, Antonio Gibson. The Washington football team now has a left tackle. Um, Diami Brown, another guy who can stretch the field. I think Antonio Gibson's in a spot where he could easily be a top 10 running back. Awesome. Uh, okay, a few, few losers. James Robinson, obviously. Melvin Gordon, obviously. Yeah. Uh, in a way, you can say that Etienne and Javante were losers for this year just because they didn't step into like the Atlanta role or the sure. Jets role. Uh, but outside of that, they'll be fine. Uh, and, and from a dynasty perspective, they're not losers. Um, Hayden Hurst lost his job. Uh, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. Uh, these were guys that were going to be you know, top 15, 20 guys this year easily. Uh, but now 
a lot more ambiguous and it's possible that they neither of them are the Bengals wide receiver one and one of them might not be their wide receiver two either. Um, but that's it, man. I think, I think, dude, we went through the whole draft, man. That was a lot. Uh, is there, was there anybody that I missed that you wanted to hit on? I want to hit on a couple undrafted free agent signings. Yes. Yes. Do that. So Jamie Newman quarterback signed with the Philadelphia Eagles, um, you know, undrafted free agent quarterback, the chances are very, very slim, but if they choose to keep three quarterbacks, just something to keep an eye on if they don't have faith in a guy like Jalen Hurts. Jarrett Patterson, our beloved. Now that he went undrafted, we can say confidently he is five foot six. <laughs> <laughs> we can confidently say Jarrett Patterson is five foot six, which is a little alarming. Um, right now he's with Washington, right? He got signed to Washington's squad. I don't expect him to do anything there. But a lot of times, sometimes if he starts doing well in camp, maybe someone else gives him a chance. Someone to keep an eye on. Um, Javion Hawkins, yes, a running he's back that I, some people liked. He's in Atlanta right now. He's someone I wanted to bring up uh, when we were talking about Mike Davis. Uh, the fact that you know, if he pans out, this could turn into some sort of thunder and lightning type of situation. There. Sure, but potentially, right? Remember, this guy's an undrafted free agent, so temper expectations there a little bit. That's all I really had, besides uh, also uh, Felipe Franks, also in Atlanta. I still don't think Atlanta has a backup quarterback, so. Right. Felipe Franks, just okay. fantastic name. Just a lot of fun. <laughs> it really is, man. It really <laughs> is. Um, all right, man. Let's wrap this up. This was a, a little bit of a long podcast, but we did go over everything. We wanted to be super, you know, have everything in here um, so you guys can go over it, you know, have an idea, you know, just going into the offseason, right? There's a lot of offseason left. You know, these things are kind of going to kind of settle in place as we move along. More hot takes from coaches. We'll see what, what coach speak comes out. Oh, um, we're going to be running with all that stuff. So uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, if you want to know more about these prospects, again, listen to our past few pods, podcasts where we went over everything, especially the wide receiver episode with uh, Matt Harmon. Um, but yeah, that's it, man. Um, so I'm at, at upper hand fantasy on Instagram, Joe's fantasy analyst on Instagram, uh, hit us up there, give us a follow. Uh, and it would mean so much to us. If you would subscribe to this podcast, uh, give it a rating as well. If you can, that really helps us out. Um, so again, we appreciate you guys. We hope you enjoyed the draft. We definitely did. And now we're excited to kind of get into this zone where we're going to be starting to do mock drafts. This team roster are, are getting together. Um, so yeah, we're, we're excited, but, uh, thank you guys. We appreciate it. See you later. See you.